Well, hello everyone. This is Zachary giving you a uh, little intro here. Uh, on this episode, I speak to Blake and we play Minecraft. I think the Minecraft stuff is kind of ingrained in all of it, um, but we go heavy into it at the beginning. Probably about a half hour, 40 minutes in, we kind of talking about like Nintendo's debt and stuff like that. And then we get into more like loose topics. Then the end's a hoot. So yeah, this one's all over the place. Uh, this is another like two hour episode. We just let it flow, man. Um, I'm going to have like more structured episodes coming up. Again, Zach Pack's going to fluctuate between different things. And I'm going to do these little intros as a way to tell you what to expect. So yeah, Minecraft, randomness, chaos. Yeah, seems like a good episode to me. Uh, I don't think I have anything in the descriptions below. No, probably not. I want to start doing a Ko-Fi page, but I want to work on that a little bit and have things that I can like sell on it as like little merch things, not like huge things, but like little things just so that if you wanted to support me, you could, uh, that'll be up probably next episode once I figure some things out. But yeah, expect something every Monday because I do a lot better when things are scheduled and planned and have deadlines. So expect me next Monday with a guest. Or alone. I don't know. Probably with a guest. I'll wrangle someone up. Got to keep it rolling. So yeah. Uh, thanks for listening to this intro. I appreciate you. And just expect this to be the normal going forward. Brief little summary. If I have any sponsors. Anything I want to shout out. Into the episode. So without further ado. Here should be some sick lo-fi music. everyone welcome back to another episode of the zach pack podcast i went up instead of down that was a whack don't worry about that we don't worry about that wait for it and then with me i'll unmute slowly blake what up what's going on i lost you on my screen we're we're playing minecraft while we rant about things Um, you've been talking about like running a server and doing stuff with a Minecraft server for a while. I had mentioned to you that I always get to a point playing single player Minecraft and you're just like, well, hop on this server. Um, I'm building, (laughs) which, uh, it's two huge towers that can be for farming. Are they both iron or like mobs and stuff? No, one's going to be iron. One's going to be a hostile mob farm. So my only question is. I'm going to be able to get bone meal because what I do is I typically make flowers and gardens and stuff. So we'll, that'll be in um, base. Somewhere. Oh, yeah. Well, and then if you look, if you look over to, I don't know what direction that is, but if you look yonder opposite <laughs> us between the two towers, they've got two arched. Those are going to be giant greenhouses. So that's where the, the gardens oh, nice. are going to be. Yeah. So I'm that's, in. yeah. No, I'm, uh, yeah, no, I'm picking up what you're putting down there. Um, Son of a bitch. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but how you been, man? Uh, you're gonna listen to Minecraft noises in the back because that's how I think it'll look or be good recording. Like, that's me hitting stones with a flower. You're gonna enjoy it because it's gonna be great. Yeah, I am. But how you been? <laughs> well, I, no, I've uh, been good. I don't have any. Uh, I don't have any complaints. That's always you a know, positive in life. Not having complaints. Just work, work in the grind, but 
you know, nothing's new about that. I have a, a boring life at home, which is how I like it, at least these days. Yeah. And that does include an inordinate amount of Minecraft, probably for a, a man my age, but you know what? That's uh, living the dream. Bro, to be fair, though, like, Minecraft is, is kind of like... It's it does it injustice to call it like digital Lego because I know they have Lego program and stuff too, but like it's kind of it's just like be creative, bro. Well, it's you know it's it's building blocks at at a in a sense twenty thousand you know at a twenty thousand foot view, it's you know a world of building blocks and it has you know a lot in common with Lego in the sense of that that kind of uh, modularness to it. But it's kind of like we were talking before we started about, you know, the, the rules and the mechanics of it. I think ultimately that's really what it is. It's, 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 it's a study. It's a study in like the most meta version of uh, game mechanics. At least this is, this is what I like about it. This might be like, this is like a gaming kind of a philosophical view, but <laughs> I think the reason it's so endearing and, you know, and one of the strengths it has is, is it appeals to such a wide, uh, you know, a wide view oh, yeah. of the gaming public. Cause Absolutely. there's, there's definitely, you know, there's people like I, you know, we talked about this. I'm a person who prefers big, uh, sprawling games to, I've, I've never been one. I've never gotten good at fighting games. I, I enjoy watching them. I really enjoy watching like yourself. Mm -hmm. Good players play. Oh, call that good. That's already I a mistake. Just but yes. lack, <laughs> I just lack the fundamental, like the fine, the fine motor skills, whatever, whatever it is, whatever particular set of, uh, of human capabilities. Uh, I just lack them to be good at that. But, you know, I'm good. Definitely, you know, good at other things. Love building games like, you know, Factorio prison architect sim city going back in the day like all the sim yeah. cities uh C civilization to a degree i'll say my my major gripe gripe with civilization has always been it's it's not, it's not a gripe it's for me it's it's closer to it is turn-based um but it's limited I would really Absolutely. love to be able to to just play a version. Maybe maybe there's one out there, I'm sure. But anyways, like I just I don't dig getting to like uh oh you're at year three thousand, congratulations, game over, start over. I'm like, no, I built this whole thing. I wanna see how like I, I wanna take over the entire world. I don't care if you all surrendered. I'm I'm, I'm okay a, with Civ an being... evil tyrannical lord and I wanna be you know, Zeus-like over the entire planet, and all your capital belonged to me. So, anyways, that's a I'm, total domination. That's a completionist in me, I suppose. I'll say this. I, I'm okay with Civ being what it is, but I have learned, not even through just my gameplay, because there was a point in time where, like, I think it was, like, 2012, 2013, where Civ Five popped off. Everyone was playing it. I don't know what YouTubers started making gameplay videos of it, whatever. Um, but it popped off, right? And all these people started playing it, and then everyone kind of realized, like, especially if you're playing multiplayer, number one, the games last way too long. Um, a game of Civ can run you 12 hours. And you'll, you'll know, like, fairly early on, like, four, five hours into that 12-hour game, 
Like, there's no shot of me winning. Um, yeah. So, like, especially yeah. if you treat it like a multiplayer game, like you should, um, you, again, you build to a point, you realize, hey, unless everyone nukes each other and I sneak out a win, I'm sitting here the next four hours getting beat up on. It's just not... Yeah, I will say that it at least has the mercy to reveal that to you an hour into the game (laughs) instead of some poor, more poorly designed games, um, you know, mostly predecessors like, uh, I don't know, there was an offshoot of Command and Conquer. I can't remember the name of it, but Mm. it was like (laughs) you'd you'd spend like three hours building up a badass base and (laughs) You know great barracks and you know you've researched wonderful tanks and then you travel the tundra wide tundra between your your enemy and you get there and it's just 25 nuclear reactors surrounded by a barrage <laughs> of tesla towers and they've got like, like no shot you're, you're working dead. with what the best of world war ii you're rolling up with uh you know 10 shermans like I got three artilleries behind me, motherfucker. And they're all, bitch. We got alien tech. <laughs> no, what have you no been shot. doing for the last eight hours? <laughs> oh, congratulations! Oh, were you awarded with the great General Patton? Yeah, that's cute. Where we got the great General Han Solo up in here. Oh, you don't have the Star Wars expansion? <laughs> You're screwed. You suck. You're screwed. Yeah. But. Yeah, those games don't really care either. Like, they kind of... They're like niched-out games, I would say. Whereas, like, you said, Minecraft and, like, Factorio, they're very open-ended and open to interpretation. Like, so... Yeah, they, they, they give you options. Yeah. That's the thing. Is there's not necessarily just a path A to Z. Yeah, it's, uh... that's a good way to put it. It's just make of what you want. We give you the tools, kind of do whatever you want with it. Yeah. And I, I mean, like... it really is a sandbox at the very best. I mean, the true yeah. idea of a sandbox. Well, it's, it's an extremely simple concept that everyone kind of knows. If you were to ask any mom in America, like, what is Minecraft? They say, like, dirt blocks. Like, guaranteed. Like, oh, that's the thing my son plays with the blocks. Don't they just that? Just chopping down trees. Yeah. It's, it's just like, yeah. it's such a simple concept. Everyone can grasp it. Everyone kind of understands, you know, what it's about, what the big draws are. And then there are different types of players, right? Um, exploring and finding new things and you're building huge bases. And like I yeah. said, I like to make things look nice, even though other people, <laughs> fucking Andy, don't think they look nice. Um, stuff like that. It, it all combines to be like this unique experience of just sandbox like i don't know how any other way to describe it it's just yeah it's what you make of it it's kind of like what's another hobby that it's just like yeah like just do what you want i I (laughs) I don't even know to like building a model railroad in the sense of you know you got you know you're a guy who likes to construct models and have the freedom to construct that world i mean that's what i like is like i look at this i like to bite off more than i can chew because it's, I mean, first of all, it just feels so good once it's finished and you look at that and you go, Jesus, you know, that took me, yeah, this base has know, been... that took me two months of, you know, an hour here, an hour there. And, and yeah, it's, it's, I've definitely always been intrigued by the idea of, of doing uh, like model trains and stuff. 
not specifically not like a train head or uh you know whatever i don't know what the conductor the name for that would be yeah, yeah <laughs> i'm but, no conductor suppose, but yeah but uh no it's just uh you know I, I i only discovered it about eight years ago i was in my 30s when i started playing minecraft i mean it's i don't know it's just it's just a well-designed game but yeah. also in the way it you know factorio and prison architect those all have in common is you know those are the ones i've been playing since they were in early beta and i mean definitely compared to what they are now they're they were super simple yeah. but but even then they weren't simple in the sense you still had you know a hundred some odd pieces to play with and the basic mechanics bugs aside are the same and that's that is the keys as with minecraft as with those other successful building sandbox sandbox kind of games is right from the get-go they the developers say okay it's gameplay is number one a plus get the basic mechanics down sure gravity needs to work this way water needs to work this way you know resources here's the distribution you know even though they've fine tweaked all of those things there was a dedication to let's make this work out of the box and then you get a decade of development after that where they just they since they get those basic physics down then evolution can then take over and new things can develop and you you learn these new interesting things uh you know emergent properties come out just like within the real world sometimes unintended then that's very much on display in minecraft very much by these the, the fucking machines and stuff i'm building mm -hmm. it's like these farms i don't think that you know the developers didn't sit down and go okay let's let's design the mob spawning and and the kill mechanics and all of this so people can build these machines to take advantage of it that's not it's they it doesn't work like that they forward engineer not reverse engineer and they 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 came up with the mechanics and then they put them out there and then people smarter than i for sure had to come up with the workarounds and the machines to get it to work and that's the beauty of it there well there's also they, such like a i don't know what you'd call it like a um i guess i guess you kind of said it like best right they, they put the tools out there and it's not necessarily expecting everything but instead of stopping people from doing those things they lay into it and they're like oh people like to do this like, I remember yeah. pre-Redstone, and Redstone to me was like, I am not learning electric circuits for a video game. But a lot of people were like, Redstone is my shit. I will develop this stuff, these machines, these contraptions, I yeah. and I will go out and post this on YouTube and make a big deal about it. And that's how a lot of people got found, you know, early on. Um, you had the crazy stuff and all that shit, but it was also kind of like, Oh, you can provide me use because you're going to teach me how to, you know, build things that in my survival world that are actually going to matter. Yeah. So I mean, it's uh, it's it's, just, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's just uh, it's a, it's an example also I think of keeping their eye on the prize and then also you know Minecraft they have big a big fan expo 
yeah. know, an online thing every year. And it's always a big deal because it's where they make the big announcement for what the updates are going to be. So that's another thing, too, is that it builds... They've built a, 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 a loyalty with players. Mm-hmm. You know, players continue to play the game and bring their friends into it. Because, you know, I brought... You know Tim into it, and shout out to Tim. I don't know if he's ever going to listen to this. He's on the server right now playing. Uh, he's just out adventuring right now and out collecting resources. That's what he likes to do. Um, but anyways, it's it's and they and you know so I I bring people in, and then they bring pre people in, <laughs> and so they Microsoft continues to make money because the deal is we know every year. There's going to be a major fucking update, and it's going to be 100% free, and it's going to add new mobs and new mechanics yeah. and new challenges, and and that's the trade-off, and it's going to draw, it brings in new people, and then they put that money, and it just shows an investment into the game, and it shows it's that is the update idea done correct. And it's the idea that back in the day, you bought a game, and the game you got was the game you got. So, you know, b- you know, bug research was a big part of the post-production process because once that cartridge was manufactured and you know shipped to Target and Toys R Us, that's it. That yeah, that, that was it. it. That was that was the game. You know, maybe you got a 2.0 if it was popular down the line, but no, you know that that was it. But now. You know, it's great. You can have, you know, with with online and digital, you know, digital copies, you can have updates. But unfortunately, there's a lot of publishers. EA is infamous for this. They take advantage and they they love to find reasons to charge people and be it microtransactions or be it disguising a game update as a deluxe edition. Yeah, adding in when there's some like clothes or shit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, here's, you know, it's the game you love, only all the bugs are fixed, but it's not an update. It's it's a deluxe edition because you can get this suit where, you know, Batman has nipples. Yeah. You know, it's it's not, I don't know. Um, it's, it's just, it's the right side of it. Steam is, has been great in taking advantage of this. They're not taking advantage, but... I guess a proper or a non-pejorative would be like leveraging this idea by allowing game developers to form these relationships with players to let them for a discount play the beta and that allows them to grandfather into all further updates including the big game and then you know again Factorio you know Prison Architect probably been playing those fuckers for close to a decade I mean that's got to be how long they've been out yeah, I know, especially when you get in these games early on, and it's something that is, like, genuinely something you're interested in, or it's something that you feel can go somewhere, the initial investment is, like, 20 bucks, And they're like, look, we're, we're charging 20 now because the spot the game's in right now. And we get that. And you get that. Because yeah. that's why you did it. Um, yeah, it's early access or whatever, or this is version point zero zero three or whatever but you know eventually the game's gonna be more full-fledged we're gonna we're gonna support you and i wasn't in factorio super super early uh, i wasn't before it was on steam um but 
it was still far enough along. You could launch the, launch the rockets and stuff like that from what I knew. Right. And with Minecraft, when everyone bought it, when the original wave started, where like C Nanners and Hutch and all those guys were playing Minecraft, uh, Woody's gamer tag and all of them were doing like huge servers and stuff like that. It was kind of like, it wasn't even 1.0. Like it was like right after beta or it was like beta point something. Like I said, playing before Redstone, it was kind of like build a mud house, survive against monsters. If you find yeah. a spawner, you literally dug out like a waterfall thing, made a waterfall so they would just die. Um, you couldn't make these machines to do it, which I still think it's funny. Water is such a water is like the conveyor belt of Minecraft. Whereas like a conveyor belt oh, yeah. is a conveyor belt of Factorio. But um, it's 100% what I'm working on at this very moment. I'm building the water, the water supplied piston system for the, for the hostile mob farm. It, yeah, it's great. And then and that's that's those basic mechanics. Those guys latched onto the game early on and made it popular because right from the get go, mm -hmm. the game showed that there was a commitment to, you know, things for it. A lot of it is just they sit down and I think the guys there, I don't know this for sure, I've never said this, but just it feels like the developers of this game sit in this world and go, does that make sense? You know, it's, you know, they ask the question, okay, I'm sure looking at the water mechanics, it, it doesn't always make 100% sense as yeah, far as like water's kind of weird things based yeah. on the rules, but it, there's definitely the way things are with the, the way sand and gravel falls and, you know, the oceans, the way the the algorithm with the seed creates the world. It's just, it, you look at it and it makes sense because a lot of it is very naturalistic. So, it you know, there's that reality to it in the sense where everything feels cohesive. Nothing, there's very few, thing, few things that stand out and you go, oh, that does, that's ah, just fucking weird. Yeah. It, but it's also, it comes from such simple roots, right? Like block is this, a block of this is this. And then you can do like, what are you going to allow a block to become? And then what is that item going to become? So it kind of, it, it almost kind of works like a flow chart of like, okay, this dirt block, what, what can you place on a dirt block that's special? And then you just kind of build off from there. Cause again, it, it did started fairly simple and I don't know if you were a big like modder or anything like that early on, but like one of the first big mods that I saw that was like, holy shit was like, you could throw Pokemon in Minecraft and do Pokemon battles in Minecraft. And it was like, imagine a world where you have to go out and scavenge and find acorns and turn them into Pokeballs and use them, but you can build and design and it took Nintendo until Legends Arceus to do anything remotely close, but it's not like you you ever see uh, Dragon Quest Builders. Yes, I I played that on PS2, I believe, or PS3. It might have been PS2, PS PS3, PS4. But moral moral of the story is like that one is you can go out and build and and build like houses to suit people's needs, and you still have bosses and you have this and that. It just gave you kind of a grand scheme of like, well, if the main world with building is fun enough, slap blank into it and it becomes exponentially more fun. 
Like, yeah, they don't really have quests in Minecraft, but like if you threw in, you know, Diablo style quests, it works with the Minecraft stuff. I I would kind of, I think that an argument could be made that I, I think I would disagree with that. I would say that they're, they do not have narrative manufactured quests. So no one Nothing. has ever sat down on Minecraft, at least, and and designed a narrative, you know, you know, Jork, Jork, the evil emperor has, you know, imprisoned the villagers and taken away their ability to say anything other than her. Right. And, but, but, like, if you need a certain something, if you need to, to, you know, go and find, uh, you know, a dearth of books and go fight the, a particular mob, then you have to go on a quest to find, like, a woodland mansion, for example. And those motherfuckers are few and far between. They're one of the harder things to find in the game. They're often, you know, 5,000, 6,000 some odd uh, blocks away from spawn. Yeah. And... And the thing is, it's it's wild. No one sat down and designed that quest. You you do have to take on all the classic assemblies of what a game quest would be, like similar to Zelda. Okay, I gotta go get the you know the enchanted boomerang, and but I gotta make sure I have these weapons and I, I'm outfitted and I've got enough potions to be able to get there. I gotta have food to make sure that I can take care of myself and. And it's so I would say there's quests and there's quests for those that seek them. And that again is one of those really good mechanics, uh, mechanical designs of the game. And it's, I, I hope to see more of that. I think it's, you know, I love it. Not to, and not to put down narrative games, like games like that, like I fucking Skyrim is one of my favorite games of all time. And that's just nothing but a string of very manufactured, very A to Z narratives, just woven more like a web instead of a, a ladder. Yeah. And that also comes from like a spot of like creativity, I would say. Because Skyrim's also kind of like, yeah, it's lore based and yeah, you can do whatever you want with it, but it's also... I've never beaten the main quest, you know, but I have lots of time with it. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know. That, that's also one of those games where it's kind of just do whatever you want. Just have fun with it. If you don't beat the main story, you're not the minority here. Yeah. Yeah. You're not like, you're not the minority. Like other people have played longer than you have and have not beaten that game is my point. You get, you get me? Yeah. So that also, it kind of sits and resonates with me too because it's kind of like, okay, cool. Like, you have fun with it. <laughs> and it's just kind of like, no, I'm not going to beat it. Like, I know after you beat the Ender Dragon in Minecraft, you get like rocket jumps or something. Isn't there something you get for beating him? Um, I mean, you get uh, a dragon egg, I believe. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. It's been several years since I've even gone to fight the Ender Dragon. Because that's just kind of my my style of play has changed since then. Now, 
in our realm, I'm definitely the, you know, the goal of all the machines and everything I'm building is to to make it accessible and easy for us to go and, and beat that big old flying bitch. Mm-hmm. And then uh, actually, you know, start to colonize and uh, explore the end, uh, which is a really neat world of its own. But uh, and there's a lot of goodies there that I would love to get hands on. I mean, build a, uh, an ender pearl farm. What the fuck is that? Uh, an ender pearl farm? What the fuck are you doing? No, I hear monsters and shit. Oh. What the fuck are, are you, you doing up there? right now? Yeah. What the <laughs> oh yeah, so you're probably near a cavern or something. That's uh I'm in base. That is I mean that is one of the times I will turn the sound up on the game is if I'm trying to find something like that underground. You do do get that was weird. cool audio audio cues. Yeah. I wonder I, I think the podcast picks it up loud enough. When you listen you'll be like, Oh, that's this but like I've never heard that before. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing up there? I don't think there's supposed to be monsters. But uh yeah, moral of the story. <laughs> Don't get jump scared by yeah. things that yeah, don't no, exist. No, uh, there's no hostile mobs on right now. It's on peaceful. So those are just, uh, it sounded like you were probably passing by uh, just a big old cave there. Maybe a dripstone cave. Pretty pretty open space. I just went by all the items and I did it. It was scary. Never going to do it again. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm making a new base. I'm out. Uh, <laughs> and say ours wasn't haunted. But, oh, there you go. That's why. Yeah. So, damn. Yeah, no, I could. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I suppose I could wax poetic about Minecraft forever, but it's just, it's just a really good game. You know, I guess I, I could probably talk just as much about other games that I've committed a similar amount of time to in my lifetime, which would be like Skyrim, um, Super Mario World on the Super Nintendo. Mm -hmm. That was a that was just an absolute mind bender when that came out because it was introduced several new game concepts that are just givens now um you know kind of like um i'm trying to think you know the the save system in it was it wasn't like every single level was saved there were certain checkpoints so that it was just enough carrot and stick um to keep you going the, yeah the difficulty level you know from early to late in the game the the secret levels just just a lot of fun well designed uh, you know i i have to consider the n nostalgic portion of that which would be i was probably right at the perfect age for it around uh nine ten years old so uh, 14 hours of uh, playing Nintendo on a Saturday during the summer was not uh, necessarily unheard of, but anyway. But, <laughs> well, uh, who yeah, counts just, back then anyway? Yeah. No, 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 not at all. Only interrupted for, you know, a pizza break. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone's got something nostalgic like that where they just go back and they're like, oh, this is the perfect game. And then like some of those games is like, no chance. This was not anywhere near perfect. Um, but other ones, like, yeah, like Super Mario or Mario in general um, has had a way of, like, defining the, like, actual scape of games. So, like, an example would be, like, um, Super Mario 64, right? It came out, 3D graphics, went popped off, went crazy, 
And then it was kind of like expected that the next games were going to be like any of the next games, like, oh, well, Sega's doing 3D and and Sony's going to do 3D. And it's like, because of Super Mario. Yeah. It's kind of weird when you think about that because like Nintendo originally pushed so many boundaries and now they're like, they're pushing boundaries in a way that just isn't gameplay, right? Like they're trying to push like the Switch was a huge thing. Um, I watched the original like conference when they're like we're telling you what the next project is because i remember like the rumors were like it was a system that you could take with you and the graphics would get better if you combined multiple systems so like you could slot them together like and make a supercomputer kind of thing yeah and that was the patent they filed for and everyone's like what the fuck is nintendo doing and everyone's like no no it'll be cool and we're all just like what the fuck is nintendo doing but then it was like that whole announcement trailer was just like perfect. It's you get a handheld console, which Nintendo has been killing that market, except for like in Japan, yeah. which PSPs are still popular, I guess. Um, but like the home market and then it's portable, which is pretty much everything you could want for a majority of games you'd play with your friends. Like Smash yeah. Brothers, you weren't part of the Smash scene when Smash 4, you had to bring a Wii U when you wanted to go places you had to bring the Wii U all the cables and you had to bring the gamepad that was paired to that Wii U. There was no other way mm-hmm. to do it. So you're yeah. literally carrying a huge backpack for it. It was just like, bro, why is this worth it? <laughs> well, that's, that's one of the things that that's Nintendo is really good at responding to not just the market, but what, what their users have said, you know, I mean, they've, hardware you know, the, the wise yes. was so brief they didn't and they also i i think they someone on their board must really understand the logical fallacy the the sunken costs fallacy you know it's and that's the idea that you know from a company and it's you know we just rolled out the the chodo 5000 game system and we spent fifty million dollars developing it, and it's just absolute dog shit. And the public says it, and the media says it, and it's absolutely not selling. And the R and D department comes in and says, "Well, we can we can put another fifty million into it and fix it." And the people look into it and say, "Well, we've already put fifty million in." And so we're, we're already in for that much. And mm-hmm. so it'd be foolish for us to, to put that, make that money waste. And so, and then they do that and they, the hundred million, they put it at, you know, the, the, the Chodo 6,000 out and it's just, it's, it's a little, it's just polished dog shit now. <laughs> and then it, they, they get into the cycle. They go, well, fuck, we've already put a hundred million dollars into it. That's a hundred million dollars down the drain. If we don't fix this. I think for Nintendo, you look at something like uh, you you're you might be a little bit too young for this, but they they really hyped up and they they the Virtual Boy, yeah, first 3D and it was I mean it was it's it's neat, but if you play one, you can definitely get why it was just kind of doomed to fail. Well, but first, you they had the ball to try it and yeah. put it out, yeah, but the public did not respond and it's the reason there's only a handful of games for it i mean it's still a lot of games but 
compared to their other catalogs. It's limited and had a limited run because they they released it, they got their, you know, they got their feedback and it was probably only sold big for like one that first Christmas. And then they they go, okay, point point taken. We're, we'll, we'll move on to the next thing. But like and Nintendo's... the next thing was their next console. It was the, I can't remember if it was the SNES or the 64 that came next, but whatever it was that came next, they fucking knocked it out of the park. But Nintendo also has like a bad habit of like, well, call it bad or good habit, right? I guess it's up to the eye of the beholder. You've got a company who have stated several times to their, you know, stockholders, we can operate at the same losses like during the Wii U stuff. We can operate like this for like 160 years and we'll still be afloat. Like yeah. Nintendo was sitting on cash and they're not afraid to take that risk, but like they have bombed like several times, like even within like, call it, um, I don't know, since 2000, the, the GameCube, I look back as a beloved console, the GameCube flopped, uh, badly, <laughs> like really badly. But I look yeah. back and I'm like, dude, the GameCube was dope. And it just, it didn't sell. And they were starting to sell them at yeah. the end of the life cycle for $100 a piece. They're like, we need to clear the stock. Yeah. But then the Wii you came out. The Wii was the best-selling console. It though, is comparative-wise, is like, by Nintendo standards, like, GameCube judged against their other consoles, I, th I think is like, while it's technically, yeah, it was one of their worst sellers and, like, is a failure by Nintendo standards. The funny thing about it is they, they've also excelled at always just being different enough from Microsoft and Sony's offerings, you know, and then early on, like, Sega's offerings. I suppose Sega was probably the the closest to, like, mirroring what they were doing early on. But Nintendo, like, all through that, even up to, up to today, always managed to be just different enough to where, like, GameCube, compared against, like, the entire market, was a great seller because... It was different enough to where while people are were either Xbox or PlayStation, mm -hmm. you were always Nintendo. It was like, well, oh yeah, I can pretty much play most of the same games between Xbox or PlayStation, so there's no reason for me to have both of them. Oh, but I had to get the GameCube because how else was I supposed to play Super Mario Galaxy? Yeah, the first party stuff you know? has been pretty, pretty significant. And like we said before, they always kind of like defined barriers, broke them, and kind of went, all right, we'll move on. But yeah, they have their good games. They have the really bad games. Uh, Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild uh, yeah. popped off. Whereas yeah. all the Nintendo sports games they're trying to reboot on the Switch fucking flopped because they don't put extra thought into them. It's like, it's, well, like not, it's not the ones we had from like we were kids. Where it was like, oh, the, the Mario Golf game is going to have missions and RPG elements and stuff like that. Like, this one tried to do different things that just didn't work out. It's like, yeah. it, it sucks when you can't pre-order a Nintendo game, but like, you know, some of them are probably going to be decent. Like, Metroid Dread. Um, I haven't beaten it. I don't beat many games. That's not the factor. Metroid Dread was a, a, a good, you know, Metroid Prime game. 
It just wasn't what everyone was 100% looking towards with in that like realm. But it still did well from what I know. And well, that's, and that's the other funny thing about Nintendo is I think I think in a lot of cases, even the games like that where a lot of people go, oh yeah, it was good but not great. It it was. You could also define it as oh, it was good, but I still had a fun time playing it. Yeah. You know, and most of the time it was like, oh yeah, I had fun playing that in between. I didn't beat it because then you know so-and-so came out and that was a great game that's the other thing too is you don't have to wait very long in between really you know really great releases because they just also between like zelda and mario i think just the diversity is just right they've maintained a standard and i think a lot of that comes down to um japanese business practices how they are very I don't want to oversimplify, but it's it's my understanding that at Nintendo, it's just very end-focused, meaning it is reverse-engineered in the sense where here's where we want the great product to be. So what are the tools we need to do that? Instead of saying, okay, here's what we have at our disposal. What can we make? They go, here's what we want to do. And it's going to be perfect, or as perfect as we can get it. And if that means we have to have a team of this size that was... It's that's this educated with this level of experience, and that's what we need to gather to achieve this. But I don't know, just it's standards. <laughs> you you put it all the like one, yeah, standards, bro. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just also I'm curious. Like we were talking about customer service earlier, and yeah, I, was I wonder say, we've if been... if their adoption of like. I mean, it's just more of a human thing. Maybe that's not a Western, like, the service industry exists globally. And I'm sure just everybody shits on everyone in the service industry. People are just ultimately we're just garbage. Yeah, people in, a, in the general, like, the, if you take the general public, they're probably a garbage person. And that's no offense to anybody, really, but, like... Look at the world. <laughs> well, it's like, I suppose if I'm going to be introspective and honest, just for me having the general, broad, wide, painted opinion that human beings are garbage makes me garbage in a specific way. And I'm, I suppose I'm willing to accept that because then it also proves, <laughs> proves my hypothesis. So... I'm going to have my cake and eat it, too, there, even though it's terrible-tasting cake. Well, look at it like this. As a whole, society can be judged to a pretty pretty crazy statistical number, right? Where, yeah. like, if you know people are angry and there's so many people, you can, you can statistically guess, yeah, there's going to be a riot today. Like, stuff yeah. like that. And it's just well, it's, nature. So... <laughs> so predictable in in the broad general speaking because it's just it's we're animals man like at the end of the day like yeah we've got we've got these little sparks of consciousness and the emergent properties oh geez i think that's the second time i used that i used emergent properties <laughs> I, it's, i'm not intending to sound intelligent i'm How certainly not i'm just not i'm not exactly sober right now so I think my brain's just struggling, struggling 
certainly to stay on topic. Good God. I'm just babbling like a fool. I feel that. But what I will say is we've been talking a lot of games, right? Um, to take it, you know, with customer service away from the gaming space. Um, I read it on why uh, I read it on Reddit a while ago. Uh, it was like a post and it was like, you know, I feel that everyone would treat everybody else a lot nicer if everyone had to work retail for like Christmas. And I kind of thought about it. And I'm like, I've been working retail for like Christmas shifts and people are pretty not nice. So like if you have to treat those people nicely, eventually there's going to be a cycle of like, oh, I'm not going to be an asshole to this person because I was the other yeah. person. Well, I think I've always said, I mean, again, to come back also to, you know, tie in broad strokes, I think at least in the U.S. or a lot of, I suppose, Western countries, I, again, I don't mean to like separate West and East. I, I suppose this is what I understand at global. So I just, I would say in culture, there are two types of people, those who have worked a register and those who haven't. Yeah. And, 100%. and yeah, it's just either you've been, and that's, you know, that's not to mean that, you know, literally, but it's either you've worked in the service industry or you haven't. And with that uh, comes, I, w I would say that that is similar. I'm not putting this in the same level. I'm saying it's similar to the idea of either you served in the military or you haven't. So I think that people who have served in the military have a fundamental different understanding of several different parts of life that only people who have served in the military can understand. And in that case, a lot of that is like life and death and some of it is, is technical stuff, you know, where else can you learn to drive a bitch and tank? But right. it's, you know, a lot of it is For a lot free. heavier, certainly than <laughs> the service industry. But I say it's similar in the sense where in the service industry, it's either you have may you only understand the person who's standing there behind the customer service desk getting screamed at by some fucking bitch or some fucking asshole yep. about something so insignificant a pair of fucking jeans a gold-plated faucet you know their dog's haircut i mean jesus i, I just jesus tap dancing christ seriously it's it's if you've been in that situation you understand that human beings can come in like walk into a place with a sense of entitlement and i'm not i'm not going to use the phrase a karen while i understand the ge general idea behind that i think that that is that limits that down to a specific kind of look and stereotype of a type of woman that is like that customer service nightmare but my, exper my experience is that person comes in absolutely every age, shape, size, creed, color, <laughs> location. It's They come in every type of form. Oh, yeah. That customer service oh, demon yeah. takes many guises. Yeah. I Not mean, just a blonde woman with a terrible haircut. Well, I think the idea of like, okay, you... You have to do something in your life to be humbled. Like, you can't be completely entitled. But 
on like the counter of like what, what I said, right? Like where it's like, oh, every person has to work a register and be nice to people and whatever, right? There are still going to be people who forget that about themselves, right? Um, they go back and they're like, oh, I'm better than you now because I have money. I had to do that when I was poor. You're poor. And like, I guarantee you, like there would still be an issue with that. So of course, cause there's, and, but those people are, they can't be helped. I think again, but that's also though, I think they're the exception that proves the, the need for everybody to do it. Cause if you think about it, it ends up becoming this wonderful societal filter mm-hmm. where like, imagine a world, you know, where let's say you don't waste that first year of college um, when you're 18 in the sense of you don't immediately finish 13 years of school and then go right on to four plus more years of college right when you turn as an adult. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's, I, I had these, uh, you know, these hot takes, I suppose we could talk about another time because it's another rabbit hole in my stupid brain, <laughs> but that college is fundamentally, you get off to a bad start because it's, it's happening right when you get your freedom, when you're supposed to be emerging as an adult. And, and part of that is the is partying. The whole thing with the partying is it's not just, it's, it's also, it's, uh, group bonding and there's all kinds of like human animal like us tribal things you know there's reason again fraternities and sororities emerge in that but anyways um <laughs> i think that you take that first year and everybody does some does two years a year of service mm-hmm. whatever and, it may be and if everybody yeah and it could be and it could be whatever you want you know, it's even there's a degree, you know, it's be it wait staff, be it, uh, you know, any retail establishment, just just anything like that. Get an hourly job. You do that for a year and you learn so much. You learn a psychology class's worth of human behavior. I would say so. Because you you kind of have to. What's a good way to put it? Because it's not only that you're learning it, but it's also kind of like you have to learn it. Otherwise, you don't have, like, a place to live. Like, that, that is your paycheck, right? And, like, say what you want about people who are stuck in those situations, right? Because I, you know, yeah. th- there is the argument, oh, you can dig your way out of it. You can you can work hard and not work retail. What are, I, I, I believe that, right? Um, you kind of put yourself in a frame of what you accept as being comfortable. If you think you can't work more than retail, you're probably going to be working retail or something yeah. similar the rest of your life. Is there something that you cage your yeah. mind into? And to go back to the original topic, uh, you kind of like, if you ha- you can't lose your job, right? And you yeah. really feel the pain of like, man, this person is a complete bitch. I never well, want to act like this person ever. You have to learn. I mean, a huge part of your job, especially in customer service, and especially like up to the level, like what I do specifically is, if you think about it, it's not it's interpersonal, nonviolent 
conflict resolution. There you go, yeah. Like, seriously. It's and it's and a lot of it is very simple and very finite and very easy. But that's that's where that that repetition. It's you know, my my phone rings. I get called up front to talk to. <laughs> I've got two adults. I've got the person who works for the store, and then there's the the customer, and they are in dispute. And it's and it's usually it's the customer in dispute with the rules of the company. But I represent like the person Reality. behind the register, the company. And so my job is with with armed with the knowledge I have to come up there and to to make either use my authority to make a decision and to between these two people or between the company and this customer resolve that scenario. That yep. is the very basic and like watered down. And that is not to talk it up or anything. That is just a very technical way to explain. You know, it's often um, I want to return this thing. And this person here said that I can't. And you know, okay, what are the facts? <laughs> you know, but it can't be that simple. It is, <laughs> yeah, it's just that is an absolute like, what what a great skill set to have. And I, and I didn't set out to deliberately. That is just it was just accumulated through years of experience. And in in the and I bring it up because it it ties into what you were just saying about. You're in the job. You have to have this job. Mm -hmm. Like, I I have to pay rent. I have to pay my bills. I have to do this job. And my job is to find a way to to de-escalate the situation and to keep things running smoothly. Right. And that and and if I don't do that, if I take the easy way and just go up there to the front and tell the customer, be like, you know what, fuck you, get Shut the fuck out of here, lose <laughs> my job. And believe me, there's been plenty of scenarios where i want to go up there and be like what the fuck are you wasting our time for get the fuck out of here you know like no but no i have to keep my job so i have to go up there and yes sometimes that requires eating shit but that's a lesson in you know humility like you said is i can't take myself so serious that if a customer gets in my face and says what do you know you fat fuck you know, you look like fat Jesus, you piece of shit. Whatever. <laughs> First of all, yeah, I know you're jealous. You know, um, but it's uh, you know I have to learn to let that roll off my back. And uh, fortunately, after 21 years, no one's ever punched me. <laughs> and not to say I say that could very very well change at some point, but. Yeah, no, it's and and just the lessons, like absolutely, I can apply that. It's for me being on the other side of it. Every time I'm in a grocery store, if there's a long fucking line, or if you know something doesn't have a barcode and it doesn't scan, and they have to send the a person back to look for it, or if they they don't have any carts in the front or the parking lot's a mess, mm -hmm. I don't get fucking worked up over it because I've been on the other side of it. Like, and, and again, what is the fucking point? Is my time so valuable that these people who are at their job right now doing what they need to do, their lot attendant probably called in sick. It's not these people's fault. Get off, get off your fucking ass and go out to the parking lot and grab your own cart 
and just go go get your fucking I don't know pre-made mozzarella sticks you monster I don't know why I pulled that out of either but I'm not bitter or anything about it yeah I mean I'm watching Tim right now he's like looking at the I made a little farm a little chicken thing I, I zoned out as I was talking because again I've been I know I've been going off on several monologues here my apologies <laughs> no no it's okay because guess what that's reality right we have we have people who don't understand reality and we have people who do understand reality nothing's yeah. going to be perfect it, it's not going to be pretty much work, working in the shoes we have before right they present you understanding that not everything's going to be perfect the way you think it's going to be we understand that if I look online and I really want something and it says there are two in the store that I shouldn't trust it because it doesn't say at least five of those things in that store. Yeah. Right. There are certain rules you put in place and then further out, you just kind of like, yeah, you know what? That makes sense. I appreciate you, your, your time for checking for me. How can you help me find this somewhere else? That's going to get you a lot further than now nah, you got to pull it out your ass. Like, no, you ain't getting shit, lady. Get out of here. What do you mean you don't have this in the back? There is no back. Look up. Are you sure? Look up. Yes, I'm (laughs) fucking sure. I work here. (laughs) What do you think I fucking do? Like, just dip a random name tag and just put put it on this polo? If I could waste five minutes, ten minutes of my life going back there and finding you a magical shoe, I would find it. But I don't have it. I'll go back there and text for five minutes if you yeah. want. Does that make you feel better about the situation? There's also like, you know, I, I, I get two different customers come up to me. Okay. So let's say, and this is, this is just, a, I'm using this as an example. This isn't specific, but I have two different customers in front of me, right? And they're both standing in front of me and they're both looking for the same, let's say like Chris, set of Christmas lights. Okay. Mm-hmm. And online said that, there were five in the store and they're here to pick it up. There's none on the shelf and they're staying in front. And I say to them both, Oh, I'm sorry. They, those come from our distribution center. They're on the truck right now, but they're, it just got in. So they received them in the system. So that's why it shows that. So you, you explain the, 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 just the hard facts, the re, the system it's on the truck. My guys aren't going to get it till tonight. So, you're, you're saying that you're someone who works at, you know, like a place like Target. And you're saying that these two customers and the one customer yeah. who works at Walmart, who knows exactly the situation you're talking about is going to go, oh, OK, yeah, I, I get it because they're they're going to understand. Well, then I mean, yeah, then there's nothing you can do. And they're also going to understand that when this person says, yeah, I'm sorry, the, you know, the solution is it'll be available tomorrow morning if you want to come back or I can set this aside for you, you know? Right. And, and Simple. that person who works at the other, but then the guy who, who's never worked outside of an office, and I don't mean to denigrate people who work office jobs, it's essential to society too. But I think if, if you have never been in that situation, that guy's going to look and he goes, well, just go to the fucking truck and get him. That's not how that works. Yeah, okay, you know, I, works. I, I'm, I can't. It's buried behind a truck. He goes, well, move, move the stuff and get the lights. Like, and you know, so again, someone who's, who's <laughs> even stepped foot on a fucking loading dock 
<laughs> and sees a truck and looks at that, they're going to understand and be like, that's a, that's a big fucking thing. If you're in here, if I found out that on the back of that truck, there's, a, there's an igloo cooler that has the, a heart that your, your, your dad is waiting for in the mm-hmm. hospital right now. Oh, yeah, we, the shipment of Christmas stuff. We, we have right behind, came from right behind the heart. We, yeah, we happen to ship a, a live heart with it. So we're, we're going to need that. You know what? Yeah, we should we should probably get a couple of employees back there with some pallet jacks and start start moving some <laughs> some Fabergé Santas. But I don't like I've never worked anywhere that sells anything like that. I'm sorry, I don't have a I don't have a truck full of uh, organs or divorce attorneys or like you know federal judges. No, I don't have anything that's going to be life or death whatsoever in here. You know, like even if you did and it was something super, super important, you still kind of you have a grasp because you've worked retail that that person's doing everything they can. And you can probably tell when they're not doing everything they can. Um, But you're never going to know the exact details. Right. Like you said, an office worker is not going to know what unloading a truck looks like. Is, they yeah. don't know that that that's probably the first thing. That, well, it's not the first thing they loaded because it's not the heaviest, but they don't know where it is in the truck. We don't know where it's in the truck, right? Magic, yeah. right? We don't know where it is until we pull yeah, it out. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's real. It's real world experience. I mean, it really does translate down to that. And I think it's also there's the and the other key problem with that is, you know, the, the, the guy who's in there screaming about why can't I get my fucking Christmas lights? Yeah. You know, you look at that guy and you go, dude, this is not that serious. Like really? Like is the world over? Cause you can't get your lights and to, to play, to, to play empathetic to the customer. So in a lot of scenarios, this guy hasn't, you know, let's, let's give him Ben for the doubt. Let's say this, this dude works a high pressure. He works at a law firm. Okay, and he works on on hundred million dollar class action suits for you know, noble causes for kids that got mesothelioma from an action figure. So uh, that's a more that's a terrible example. I don't know why I picked that out of the ether. That's terrible. Well, you had to. But let's just ride with it. This guy, that's what this guy does, right? So it's and that's not to say that whatever he's doing is, you know, if he's donating blood every day because he has the cure to cancer running in his veins, it, I don't think that gives him the excuse to be an asshole to anybody, right. you know? And, yeah. But I think what it is is that there's, if someone of that importance or in a job of that kind of pressure, there is understanding of fundamental levels of seriousness. And what I mean by that is he's at the Starbucks and his drink isn't getting made fast enough. He, in his mind, from his perspective, has never worked on that side of things. So he, his understanding, first of all, is this job is so fucking simple. What is so goddamn hard about making a latte? And why are they taking so long? I do not understand it. And, that, and that's right or wrong. That's the thinking. Now, if he had ever been on the other side, if he'd ever been the barista, he would have seen, first of all, it's a little more complicated than you think. Second of all, if you happen to notice the... 35 other people who yeah. are waiting around at the it's other end of the counter because so much more. The, their drinks are being made. Like, again, he's just not understanding 
that Dunning-Kruger thing kicking in. And so he's also not understanding, you know, man, like, yes, your job, things got to pop, 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 pop today, today, because it's important. It's a lot of money. A lot of people depend on it. A lot of jobs like, yes, this is a coffee joint. And so from the other side of the counter, the reason you don't see these baristas fucking sprinting from station to station and <laughs> and busting their balls to like 150%, like, yeah, they're working hard, but they're not tripping over each other and like pre pretending like this is a, you know, the Olympics of coffee making is because they also understand I'm just making a cup of fucking coffee. This is just a latte. I'm trying to do it right. I'm trying to do it as fast as I can doing it right. Mm -hmm. But chill the fuck out, dude. If you have somewhere to be that's so important, it's more important than this coffee. But for me, I'm not going to fucking trip over myself making you this drink. And it's that understanding that level of, hey, not everything is as serious as everything else. And some jobs and some tasks aren't. It's not as urgent and not as important to where you need to get mad about it. And and I say this as someone whose job is 100% like that. There's I don't think there's anything in my store that's worth anybody getting fucking worked up over, especially not yelling at another human being over. Yeah, Get the fuck not. out of here. You I know, think... unless someone is bleeding and hurt, just don't take nothing there is that serious. <laughs> just fuck off now. Uh... Not someday yet. nothing someday nothing is yeah nothing's that important and you realize that you're not important to my life a lot of these people I'll never see again and that's that's not saying like me as a person i don't care about you but it's also not saying that me getting you this blank is going to make your life a million times better right off the bat and I feel like those specific examples happen because, you know, the, the job we were doing, well, I was doing, uh, <laughs> but yeah, now, you know, on the flip side, um, I'm working sales, right? And it's not like warm sales where like in the phone store, I had people walking in and, you know, oh, I want an iPhone. Well, which iPhone do you want? Well, the best one, of course, you got it, chief. You know, it's not like that where, like, you just have a little push. Like, well, what's holding you up today kind of thing. Now, I'm calling people now who do not want to talk to me. They're busy. They do not want anything to do with me. And on the flip side of it, right, like, should I care that this person cussed me out? No. And right now, do I care? No. I'm sure one day it's going to get to me. Uh, <laughs> and if it does, maybe yeah. this isn't it. But you also have to look at it in regards to this is another life experience that I can like put under my belt where it's something if I was comfortable with a certain job and I didn't leave, I would not have this experience. So just more life experience in general. Like I know you said like you pretty much mentioned like the gap year of like partying and all that stuff, like the first year of college. Um, yeah the people who actually go and like do a gap year and go backpacking in Europe and have the time of their life for a year. And they go, okay, time back for reality. That life experience is for their personal gain, right? Their yeah. mental gain. 
it doesn't really treat you like to society's gate, right? But to counter that, it might. That might humble the fuck out of somebody. Who knows? Um, You you don't know what that's going to do for you as a person. And just like round it out, like everyone should have to experience, I would say, being uncomfortable to a point that it pushes them mentally, it pushes them physically, because at that point you'll start to understand other people yeah. more. Um, well, I think it's it's also that's, that's you know good, good way to say biologically it. speaking that age is you're at your energy you know your metabolism your energy your muscles everything is at peak performance. Mm-hmm. Don't you know, like use that to you know even look at like. I'm a big proponent of getting out of, out of higher education, getting athletics out of the mix. Um, super mega hot take. A lot of people fucking hate me, but I believe part of that is, is I think it should be separated because I think the sports are diluted by the money and the greed that comes from that, you know, with institutions. It's absolutely ridiculous that the highest paid person at Every major university is the football coach. Oh, yeah. And this is as someone who fucking loves football, loves sports. And I think part of it is because that money just absolutely corrupts. I think those guys, do some of those coaches, are they so good that do they deserve that money? That And a lot of those, I think some of those cases can be made. My issue with it is the, the intermingling of it. But part of that is also those players. A lot of those guys are they want to play ball, right? A lot of those kids, that's why they're at, you know, that university. Yeah. And yeah, some of them do want to go to, you know, are using that to leverage their degree their for their degrees. And I think you get that gap year. Let's say, let's say, you don't, the norm isn't to start going to college till you're 20. So that gives you two years, you graduate high school and I'm, you know, in certain cases, let's say you know you want to be a doctor, a lawyer, like these that that require many years of education. Mm-hmm. Fine, you got those programs; those people go off and do that. But what what if what if instead, you know, in in high school you learn that you're a phenomenal quarterback, and then you've got these universities all trying to get you because ultimately for them they don't give two fucking shits about you. Maybe the coaches do. I think a lot of these coaches do love and care for these kids you know that especially the best coaches mm-hmm. but at the fucking universities they don't give two sweaty balls about any of these kids they, they they chew them up and spit them out you know you hear these cases all the time about their educations are, are perverted they're not getting an education because that's not why they're there it's under the guise of oh yeah he's yeah, getting a bachelor of the arts but no he's there to throw the football to make you as much money as possible you're gonna break him but make him promises that not you're not telling him. Oh, when you get out of here, think about it. It's gonna be great. You play ball for us, and you get a free free education. You can get out of here with a degree. No, they're in there going. Oh no, you're gonna get out of here, and you're gonna get drafted in the NFL from here. Yeah. And so you just you're mixing that education, athleticism, and for a lot of these kids, like the 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 right choice for them is to pursue a professional career. But why not make it more like fucking baseball? The thing that, you know, say what you will, but what they've got the minor leagues with that, 
these you know you got to work your way up and you know it definitely filters out the people who are you know love of the game to the business side of it all of that but uh oh man i got way off topic topic i'm sitting here realizing like jesus i'm sitting here spelling out a whole but no that's just to say the idea that there's i, I mean maybe to peel back the onion my general idea is i think the way society has kind of fallen into this pattern of just putting kids just go okay here you go four more years of school it's just it's not right there's there's got to be a better way to do it so it's kind of funny because my take on education has kind of changed a little bit not from when i was like high school like that shit sucked i didn't like it none of it was fun but when you can go to college and you choose exactly what you want to do i still think roi should be a major point of what college you go to I think if you know 100% certain you want to be a doctor, you want to help people, um, you want to be a lawyer because you want to be, you know, something very yeah. specific and it's your goal, cool. Just know cash-wise, you're going to have cash, but your cash is going to these loans yeah. because of this inflated bullshit. And on top of that, right, that education is now something that you wanted to do. It's not yeah. something that is pushed upon you when it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. That well, was my that, that's big problem too. with school back in the day. But I would say now that I have a degree, um, it being liberal studies, um, but I was able to kind of dictate what I wanted to do, right? Um, yeah. I, I was able to try nursing. It didn't work out. Um, but that option's still there. I can always go back to nursing. Um, yeah. But I, I was able to wind off and uh, finish with a degree in which I hope to one day be able to use. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever said on the podcast what it is, and I'm not going to today. That's going to be its own special episode when That's I do. Fair. But yeah, those who know, you know, I was excited about it. And those who know, it's like oh, it's something your, that you can. In, in your case, I think a strong argument and I'm a firm believer in this. I think part of the problem with the education system, well, I mean, not the problem. One of the issues is again, with college, it's like you have two, four, six year commitments to like, in order to have something completed. What I mean mm -hmm. by that is like your investment is not returned until you get whatever that degree is. And it's, you know, and, and a lot of times they say it's, you know, four years in total and you got, you know, that's your bachelor's and whatever it is, but anything less than that, you're a failure. And, and, and it's a very general wide education, in a lot of cases, which is, I think, absolutely necessary. But I think we need to normalize, uh, you know, this idea, like I, if I could have gotten out of college and taken a one-year course in, say, woodworking and framing, mm -hmm. you know, like, it's it's kind of a little bit specific, and but if, if we were to normalize just, like, one year of all these specific trades, you know, like, uh, masonry work painting you know both the 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 practical and the artistic kind mm -hmm. uh you know sculpture everything from like creative you know uh, music making you know uh, you, you know learning piano uh, normalize people saying like hey you know what i'd really 
really I'm passionate about and I love learning. I love making furniture. I love the idea of, of like wood making. And you normalize a world where people are encouraged to, to get nerdy. That's really what it is, is encourage them. Give them permission to take a year. Just like, you really love fucking fishing? Yeah. Well, guess what? Berkeley has a one-year study where you can go in and you can learn. Oh, you can get fucking granular. They just spend, they go, yeah, they just spend one week where all you talk about is fishing line. Like, but if you're passionate about fishing and you love that and you can come out of it, like, it, again, like, why, why don't things like that exist? We're on this planet once and every person has their specific little cocktail of things that they're just passionate about. And a lot of it is just like, are you, you passionate about fucking dolls? Like, are you, are you weird? Do you just love dolls? Well, all right. Then, you know, Florida state has a six month class. You can go and learn how to make fucking weird, creepy dolls. You weirdo. Go do that. That gives you, you a skill. Sell them on the boardwalk, you weirdo. Yeah, that gives you a skill you can make something with, and that. Yeah, and that, then and in uh, the course is just like how many how many people who are just like it. So many people suffer from that depressive malaise of I'm at a job or I'm doing something where it pays the bills, but it's just not anything that just it doesn't you know doesn't get some you know doesn't get blood running to my groin. You know what I mean? There are and some schools who do try to do that. The only yeah. problem is they're typically rich uppity schools and they give you, you know, these opportunities that like can put you in the right direction or, or might yeah. put you in the right direction. Like um, I think Andy has talked about it on the podcast. If I'm not, I don't think this is private knowledge, um, but he took cooking classes in high school, right? He yeah, had the opportunity. I can't believe that that's, that's not a more normal thing that they start awesome. earlier on. Yeah, and I mean, they don't teach you what I feel are the basics. Like, they don't teach you about putting, ideally, fifty percent of what you make each check into savings, because trust Wait. me, when you oh. do that shit when you're eighteen and you don't have bills, yeah. and you can stack up and have a little nest egg, it's always easier to stack more cash. But if you're used to spending a hundred percent of your check, yes, it's so much more difficult to save money because you're like oh i'm already expecting to spend it like breaking bad uh, habits is so bad secretary of education and <laughs> and my first thing would be is that there is going to be in high school in your sophomore and junior and senior years you're going to take one semester in each of those and we will find the spot for it but it's going to be a uh First year is personal finance. Mm -hmm. Second year is American finance. And third year is global finance. And it's in the first year talks about like, look, I think all the rounded education again is great. And, and I, I, I feel like I was very lucky at the school I went to and the teachers I had in high school. But I think like maybe we can sacrifice a year of learning about global history or egypt or you know greece ancient civilizations maybe we can just sacrifice a semester of that a year to teach about how a fico score works how to balance a checkbook because it sounds so pedestrian especially when you get older but just none of it is talked about and then and the thing is, is because it's never formally it's not in the zeitgeist of general education it's like it's one of these things like 
we trust a lot of the public schools to teach sex education, but but we don't trust them to teach basic math behind like here's how you balance a checkbook, like you know teach teach kids about overdraft fees. Text now. There's a, a reason politically why this isn't popular because if I was if that was what I was pushing, I'd be assassinated by all the big banks and credit card companies. Yeah, because they thrive on the ignorance of people not understanding. But that's that's how you combat that. Is it's you know you teach people the 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 fundamental basics. You know just it it just you know the difference between a millionaire and a billionaire. Yeah, but, you know, I'm getting that's, get, that's getting real Bernie Sanders about it, but just like, oh yeah, the sheer, just the literal magnitude of difference between it and why, like, a conversation I think really needs to be had economically about why, why again to be anti-billionaire is in no way to be anti-millionaire, and we talk, and we're talking stupid, filthy, fucking rich people, you know, millionaires. That that they we would look at them and go that person is stupid rich, how they can continue to exist it's fine, but a billionaire is a different story. It's a different story between I don't know I had a, a professor once I I would sit and do the math but it's like a million seconds is something like eight or nine days or thirteen days it's just it's less than two weeks is a million seconds and a mm -hmm. billion seconds is like 33 years. Yeah. The, the, the leap is insane. And yeah, I can agree. I, I don't want to take away from anyone's feats and stuff like that. Like you make, you're making millions. Cool. You know, I believe personally you can make millions and millions of dollars while you're taking care of your people. Right. Um, where you can do it ethically and you can do it where you're caring about the environment oh, all those absolutely. things that matter. But billions, I don't see how yeah, you can the, do that ethically. And no, the, no. it's, it's, it's strictly because with, the, 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 what would you call it? The exponential like, yeah. growth of it, right? Um, well, it's nuts. I, I think, you know, there's a lot of arguments about it. But the, the argument that I've always, that I think illustrates it the best is if you, if you just want to talk about the argument that I, I find the toughest to swallow is people say, well, you know, um, John Schmoko, you know, John Schmo, whatever, billionaire. I'm trying to resist saying the name of the one I want to say, um, but he's got so many fucking fanboys. It's ridiculous. You know, but this idea that, oh, they're because they're a billionaire, they must be a genius and they've earned it. Yeah. Like, look at what they've given to society. Don't they deserve this? Like, okay, let's look at the, the pie chart between all the dollars available and what portion of that they have. And then let's just come up with a general pie chart of what, what have, have they really contributed that much? To society, to to your life, has has his rocket company really had that much of a positive impact on society in your life? I mean, it's not it's not a, a demure achievement by any means. It's great, you well, know. Especially in the with 60s, putting a man on the moon was phenomenal. Well, but if you're going with that particular example. Let's just say a billionaire with like blue check marks everywhere or something like that. Um, you're, you're really yeah. looking at someone who had the popularity, right? Everyone's like, oh, I love their companies and all this stuff. And yeah. then it slowly devolves into like, oh, he's just toying with us to get his way. 
Um, yeah. th- the best way you can describe someone like that is someone who made an oopsie $4.4 million purchase or billion dollar purchase. Um, and uh, crypto, crypto, billion, not 4.4. What was it? 44 million. There it was. $44 million oopsie in crypto it's market. $44 billion, like we, Oh, $44 we were, billion. We okay, okay, there you go. Absolute. Yeah, okay. <laughs> fuck ton of oops. Yeah, so amount a, of money. a big fucking oopsie and then yeah. crypto scam. A billion dollars th- to be paid out on the financing every year on a company that reports, I think it's something like th- $30 million. So the, I don't know, I don't want to quote the numbers on it, but it's just, it, I don't know, it's baffling. It's nuts. But <laughs> the whole thing is just fucking baffling. It's just, it's funny because I will go up to, to bat for some people. We're like, oh, that person's fucking stupid. I'm like, no, they're fucking smart. Like they're a marketing genius and you don't fucking realize it because they don't want you to know what they're doing, right? And even if that does change to a point like, I think the biggest example yeah. is like Cardi, right? Cardi B. I think I, I think she is smart in the way of gaining more money, in the way of being yeah. a celebrity and, and like stuff like that, right? But it also comes with the price of like not having intelligence to an extent, right? Yeah. Because you being the smartest person in the room doesn't mean you know how to use it all, right? Yeah. And sometimes well, there has to be some luck involved and you get put to a pedestal. Oh, always, and nobody yeah. should be nobody should be looked on as like, oh my god, this person's amazing. Like every single person has skeletons in the closet, right? Every single person will not say it until it becomes a thing, right? And if you look at anyone in a light where it's like, I can't believe they've done this, you're you're idolizing someone. Yeah. That doesn't deserve to be idolized, right? Uh, any politician, any musician, any streamer, any game gamer, any anything, right? No one deserves to be idolized. We're equals. We're all equals because you have a blue check mark. Well, now <laughs> having a blue check mark is eight dollars. But yeah, it means having a blue a check mark and being verified doesn't mean shit. It means that the people who are verified can reach people who are verified quicker, right? And when you go and you talk about these actresses and actors and some of them do it right where they stay out of light. They have their money. They're nice to people. The first example would be Keanu Reeves, right? From what we know, that man has his shit put together. He took care of the people at the matrix and you hear these stories that he doesn't brag about. Um, what is it? You're breathtaking, like stuff like that, right? Internet fucking fell in love with him. But if, anything were to come up and he's like, he's a horrible person or whatever. Like, okay, that doesn't change my life. I'm not like, Oh my God, Keanu was God like type shit. Like some people do like some people like, Oh my God, Cardi B is the smartest fucking person. And, and and bro, she's admitted to drugging men in strip clubs to steal their money. Right. Yeah. So everyone has that background. Everyone has something that they do not want to get out or don't think it don't think it'll matter when it comes out, and it's that idolizing of these people who can manipulate and use it for their wealth. Now, there's a big difference between someone who's marketing or uh, scamming the crypto market, right? Uh, promoting Dogecoin after you buy a shit ton of it, pump and dump it, versus someone who starts a company going, 
yeah, I'm going to sell blank because no one else yeah. in the market is doing it the way I want to. And I think you deserve to have a good product, right? And I think intelligence and wisdom, like if you, if you do the D&D stats, right? I truly believe that intelligence and wisdom are completely different. Um, oh, oh, by all like means. Book smarts doesn't mean yeah, you can do everything with it. It can be inborn, I think. And, and you can also, you can read it, you can learn it. Wisdom, I think, is just absolutely a motive of experience. You have to have, you had to have touched the stove. Yeah. Intellectually, <laughs> we told all goddamn day how hot that stove is. And you can intellectually go, yeah, I probably shouldn't touch it. I've heard it's hot. You don't know what hot is until your hands touched it. You know what? Touch that stove. That's the wisdom to know. Everyone go home and touch a stove. (laughs) Yeah. Not while it's on. I can't be sued. You know, you have a toddler. Okay. I want you to take their hand. (laughs) Um, Just like my mom did for me. Oh, no. If if they have sensitive hands, it's okay to use like the back of the neck. Make sure you shave them first. With a nice iron. That was a really dark road. I just really just kind of hopped it, down that that dark place. Zach Pack has been getting dark lately, but that's okay. We're okay. okay. We're all okay, yeah. guys. I'm a little wet, but I'm okay. <laughs> Met Ed and Eddie reference there for the people who know. Um, let me ask you this real quick: Have you are you like a watch guy at all? Do you have any watches? Ah, uh, no, I've never been. It's just recently, I mean, I love my Apple Watch and as far as it's, you know, it tracks everything and it keeps yeah. my notifications. But, um, yeah, once a clock was in my pocket on my phone, that just kind of became a non-thing because, uh, no, I do have, I have a watch, but it was like a anniversary bonus gift thing from work. It's a, it's a, it's a nice watch, but I never wear it. I feel you. Okay. Because the reason I'm asking is because this is probably going to be the last topic. We're at an hour and a half already, if you didn't oh, know. Oh, good God. Well, time no, flies. I mean, you're talking to me, so I'm the fucking babble box. <laughs> well, that's what I love to have, right? Because if you have someone you can't yank like topics out of and stuff, it's just not fun. Um, but the reason I ask about watches specifically is because I've been looking into... Let me, let me put this in a good way. Like certain things in life just uh, eat value away from themselves, right? So an example I had with my buddies Manny and Thor the other day when we were talking about some watches was like computer parts, you know, game consoles, um, cars, stuff like that where they're going to pretty much devaluate the second you get them, unbox them. Um, they're not going to be full value anymore, excluding rare instances or unless you're buying a car very specifically for it to be maintained as valued, right? But the only thing I can really think of that would, like, maintain value, you can kind of be into it a little bit and start learning a little bit about it, is, like, watches. Um, do you have any, like, examples of something you, like you can buy that would still have value for, like, later on if you wanted to sell it or like if you handed it off to like someone as like a gift it would still hold value like monetarily do you have anything in mind because the only thing think, that comes to mind is like I mean, watches I think from jewelry me. is probably I think watches probably fall under that category yeah it's like jewelry watches 
Yeah, like no, I would say non. It, it, I would say non-perishable. Uh, non-perishable wearables. <laughs> Not to be glib about it. Um, and what I mean by that is like, like, yeah, you could have something like, say, shoes or hats. Um, and several people do have those collections. But if you are someone who is using them and, and having utility of them, they do wear, they will, majority of them will absolutely depreciate in value. Mm. I think things like watches and jewelry, they're things that aren't necessarily going to break down over time. You know, obviously a good watch could probably last forever, or at least a person's lifetime. You know, if you, you know, the finest watches, Yeah. you know, obviously that's one of the things with jewelry that's so appealing about it is like a high quality gem or diamond is going to look spectacular for its entire lifetime. It's never going to fog or crack or break or, you know, it's, it's, that's what you're paying for. So I think, you know, it's, you know, again, the a good gold isn't going to green on you and wear right. it down. So that's, it's, it's something that lasts the, the test of time. I mean, yeah, you can collect, have a collection of thousand dollar blue jeans, but you know, if you're wearing them, they're, they're going to wear out they're going to depreciate. So I think that's why watches, especially for men, it's, uh, you know, at least, in the west in the west man I keep saying in the west what in the, the fuck west. is wrong with me you know it's my my problem is just i'm so american centric so i've never been out of the fucking country i try to think of myself as very worldly but i'm not and it's like no nah, just america <laughs> i'm the but, same well, way right just, now. And, I, and you know and, and i keep saying the west or like defined to america cuz i just i'm trying to not make these big broad global things but i think a lot of this is like more human and not Western or American or anything like that. It's just kind of like, again, watches is one of those things where it's men and women. It's a technology, but it's an ancient technology, you know, all things considered, um, where there are, you can get them as fine art. Unfortunately, a nice computer, like even when you buy me that technology, a console, you buy it knowing that it's going to have a limited lifespan. Like you hope, okay, I just got this PS5. I hope at least I get five or six years out of it yeah, before, you know, the PS6 comes out. That's like so many of the things I purchase. And it's like, I'm all about, obviously like the passive stuff has kind of been, it's been there, but it's been kind of on hold. Um, the podcast has always been something that it's like, oh, toss an ad on it. It'll get me money later on. And like over time, you know, if things pop off, like it'll always come back. Right. Yeah. And it's just like, I think about it and it's like purchasing something that like, you can also, what's a good way to put this? Because I do not want something I can buy to show that I have money. Right. That's not my jam. That's not my thing. But like, if I were to be like, Hey, if you were like Alex, like Alejandra, the love of my life, she goes, Hey, I want to get something for, Oh shit. This is more real than I thought. Alex, if you're listening to this, stop it now. Uh, moral of the story is I have a 10 year anniversary coming up. Okay. Oh boy. And damn, I didn't think this was going this way, but it kind of is right. Like important milestone. Yeah. What can you really buy that's something that's like, ooh la la, 
holds value and you only bust out every once in a while. And for a guy, wow. Yeah, it is only like really watches, right? Watches. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking I mean, about like a chain. Like I've always wanted a chain to hold a wedding ring, but wedding rings are very personable. Like they're they're not going to hold their value in a way. You know what I mean? Well, it doesn't appreciate in value, but I also think I mean it's. Yeah, I don't know. It's I think for me, I'm not. I've never been so con- so much concerned with the ownership portion of it. It's like I'm okay with with not owning my iPhone, essentially paying a monthly like payment a on it because mm-hmm. I, I know that when the next one comes out, I'm just gonna roll. You know, that's the trade off. Is I'm just basically paying every month to have the newest version of this thing that I can have. But that's the trade off. Is yeah, I could pay money for this and then own it, but then like in five years oh fuck i'm gonna have to pay that money again but anyways it's i think that's uh, something like that where it's like a fancy thing you could bust out man a what i mean a watch is really good it's tough to beat only in the sense where it hits those metrics isn't i'm it, just it's so weird. i just have a tough time with it because i'm just not i'm more a let's do something kind of guy like um, um if there's a memory that could be made out of it if there's money to be sp- spent on forming a memory yeah it's not a tangible thing i don't know that's a for some reason that feels like a deeper philosophical question once you delve into it like on the surface yeah much more than i thought originally and like i said it's you think about it it's kind of like yeah i guess i maybe this is coming up strictly because i have something more important like coming up but like i'm looking at some of these watches and i'm just like I don't think I'd ever wear that over my Apple Watch. <laughs> I'm like, sure, there are going to be times where you yeah. want to look fancy or whatever, but it's also not like something, I don't know, maybe it's not something I just go in completely blind with. Who knows? But yeah, that's just something, especially for me, right? Because like a lot, like again, a lot of the things you buy typically, like you said, leasing an iPhone. Cool. I'm fine with it because next year I'll get to upgrade to the new one and it only cost me $20 a month, $40 a month, whatever it is. Um, I'm me personally, like working in the phone business, I was fine with it when I was in the phone business. And then now I've just become like, this phone is going to last me till it fucking dies because iPhones really haven't upgraded or anything like that. But yeah, if you want something that like lasts a long time, that holds its value for a guy. I don't know what else you'd get. I think a lot of it is also what, what do you mean by value? I don't know. I'm trying to get like pedantic on it, but I mean, like if you're talking monetary value, then it's like, yeah, if you, if you spend like, you know, $1,200 on a, you know, a really nice wristwatch and don't, you know, smash it over the life, you know, like, yeah, if you buy a, a, you know, spend 10 grand on a Rolex, it's going to appreciate in value likely greatly over the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like, so like fiscally, yeah, absolutely. But I think there's also, if you want to talk value as far as, you know, practical value. And again, that comes down to like for me, yes, the nice, like I could spend the same amount of money 
that I've paid, I'm sure, over all the iWatches that I've had since the beginning. Mm-hmm. I could have taken all that money and bought a really nice, you know, pretty nice wristwatch, probably. And could have it, and it would last, you know, however long that I was willing to take good care of it. And it would appreciate in financial value, but... So the financial appreciation is there, but as far as, like, the only practical use I get out of it day to day is it can tell me the time. That's it. Right. And it's ex- so expensive. It is absolutely not something that, first of all, um, I, that bitch is <laughs> never getting worn to work. Right. Okay. So that cuts out, you know, the, the 50 hours of at work. <laughs> And then the, the, you know, the five hours of accumulated travel time each week. Like, so you start looking at it as far as practical appreciation, but the reason the Apple watch wins out is yeah, probably when this is done, it's not going to have any financial value for the money I've put into it. But you can wear it every single day and use it every single day. And yeah, it's been, it, it took, it took my cell phone out of my pocket and I could wear it at work. It was, I was able to get insurance on it. So if I break the, the break, the screen, I can get it replaced and I'm not out that money. If that were to happen with the fucking Rolex, right. Be like, you know, Oh fuck. And and again, my particular case, I'm fucking clumsy. So, I mean, I, I can't tell you the number of, uh, I found this awesome $7 cover, uh, (laughs) kind of uh, (laughs) snap on cover for my apple watch yeah and so the only reason i've never broken it is this cover has saved it time and time again i've probably gone through in three years like two dozen of them it's great but i use it non-stop it is a great practical tool so as far as value goes like again this is i'm not saying this but like if my significant other on an anniversary was like Hey, I just got you this new badass Apple Watch. And even if the most badass Apple Watch was, you know, $1,200, I, f- I would see greater value in that than a $10,000 Rolex. Because it's my value in that particular situation. So it's, again, that circles, circles back to what, where, where do you place your value? Is, you know, and, and on what kind of, length of terms too if it's purely financial yeah. value long term then yeah the expensive rolex is absolutely the way to go well the rolex is definitely out of the question because that's way too much cash why I, I mean it's, it's, and that shows my <laughs> pedantry because i that's the only quote-unquote expensive watch uh cartier would that be another one maybe i have no clue See, I'm such, yeah, I'm such I've, a, I'm not a fancy lad as my mom likes to remind me. I, I have found that me personally, I love like brown leather. Um, when you pair brown leather with like a nice blue, you know, that, that kind of no. like, mm-hmm. it looks ap- appealing to my eye. But then yeah. I think about it and it's like, yeah, how often would you use it? And then it comes down to the, yeah, an everyday gift is probably going to be more important now. But it's also not something you can be like, it is, but it isn't. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like if, if you want something to be like 
passed down like an heirloom. Like, I don't know why this is in my head, but it's just like that. That's like grandpa's watch. You know, grandma gave this to grandpa at their 10 year anniversary and he's kept it running all these years. Like it, it seems just like something like so that's see but special. That's, so but you're it's, talking about, I don't know what's great. About that. You're talking about value is providence as value, which is, and and what's great about that is you, you don't need the Rolex for that. A yeah. lot of that is situational is that you get to place that value upon inception. But I feel like that would still have to be something that's like nice. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, it's like, it, why did Grandpa have this shitty ass watch? <laughs> no, it definitely does not have to be a Rolex. And I'll give you that one. Um, the Rolex, I feel you purchase a Rolex to maintain value and sell at a later date, or to like have in a collection until shit goes down. You need money. So, the, um, so yeah. So you find an old lady, okay, in a home, <laughs> all right, who has all her husband's stuff including his old watch right you seduce her okay and bear with me okay <laughs> it's you know i bet you see where i'm going with this okay what so the fuck? continue <laughs> and okay and then so that's the easy way because with if you catch her at just just the right stages of chemo <laughs> oh no and a, like a two maximum three month commitment uh, very non-committal relations with someone who probably doesn't even have the physical stamina to like to really get to the parts that would be gross you know like even if you, you know you get to the right part of dementia you could probably even just fake it talk oh, no. your way through the whole thing so just that minimal amount of effort you know four or five visits a week to the home Rolex. And then this watch will come right into your hands, you know, free, <laughs> legal and clear. Okay. With, with a providence of, you know, in her, her post, uh, verbal coital ramblings, <laughs> Agnes told you of her late husband's watch that he wore as a bandana on his weak, emaciated head when he was a POW behind German lines. I'd be like, cool, thanks, Agnes. I'll pass this on to my kids. I mean, they won't know about you, but you'll be dead. True. Like, literally, tomorrow you'll be dead. And that watch will be mine. I feel like in the Gilmore Girls, doesn't the character do that? Alex's been watching that a lot lately. I think one of the characters I does that. I've not had the pleasure of watching Gilmore Girls yet. I think it's Kirk. Alex would be proud. Alex, you can listen to this part again. I think Kirk is like, yeah, I befriend old ladies at the nursing home, and they, I take their wedding rings. <laughs> so it's, you've described a plot point. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. That's just so nuts. But, yeah, that's how you get a Rolex. Moral of the story. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, just super easy. You know, just really a time commitment when you think about it. Yeah. And there's, oh man, so many fringe benefits too. You know, like <laughs> you, you could show up like right, you know, right, right before when bedtime. Served dinner. True. Yeah. And, oh yeah. And like, and they're, they've, they've been sucking in chemo through an IV all day. So they're not hungry. So you can just sit there and chow down and those. Mashed potatoes, and, you know, lime jello, and probably a, a vanilla or chocolate flavored insure. 
Fridays they bring strawberry. <laughs> oh, lucky them. Or you. And talk about how much a nickel used to get you or some bullshit like that. I'll tell you about candies that you've never heard of, but sound like they might have existed, like wacky jacks and you know purple zippers. You know, just slip off and you can slip out. They're just really great, you know. And it's never just a watch, you know. You know. Just make sure their kids are estranged. Otherwise, you're done fucked up. Uh, Well, it's just, you know, they've always got opinions. You know? (laughs) Like, you you know, how could you have married our mom? You didn't even know her middle name. Or her first name. (laughs) You just knew about the watch. You, know, yeah, you just knew you about the watch. You know, you said her birthday was sometime in that month. Wrong month. Right. You know, yeah, right. It's Yeah, something. somehow you made you you took you thirteen guesses to guess her <laughs> guess the month of her birthday. How how did that happen? <laughs> it's, you know, it's just just ask for the month. That's all we wanted. We asked, we asked for the season. It took you 10 minutes, 10 minutes to say it was the spring. You said, in fact, and it's not the spring. It's summer. We were just so tired of hearing you talk. You said it was super late spring. We said, no, it's summer. And you go, well, what's super late spring if not summer? You didn't love our mom. Where's the watch? Where's the watch? Yeah, where's, where's Grandpa's watch with that inscription in Hebrew on the inside <laughs> of the leather band? Yeah, with the band, the band that was specifically designed to to cover up the the scars on his wrists from where his hands were tied behind his back when he was death marched by the Germans. Where's what? that watch? This is so fucking dark. Oh, you mean this watch that matches perfectly with my. Uh, Opening day collectible GameStop Fallout 4 t-shirt. Oh, no. You know? <laughs> pairs up nicely with my uh, spam collectible suspenders I got at the spam factory. Now I'm just discovering. Now now I'm, I'm apparently an ultra hipster. This is just pure improv, oh, and I'm all for it. Downtown Austin. <laughs> Sounds like I'm describing a very specific person. person. But the funny thing is, there's probably like 150 dudes who exactly <laughs> match the description I just made. <laughs> and if they ever hear this, they're really freaked out. It's very statistically likely that at some point one of them will stumble on this and be like, are you talking about me? <laughs> What's wrong with this? I went through the whole tour and it wasn't even ironic. You gotta do a show or something, man. <laughs> <laughs> what? You got to do a show or something. Just go completely off like that. That'd be great. Oh, I know. It's just. Just always time. Yeah. Ain't it? It's, I mean, it's just nice to have a day off, ain't it? You know? Especially with the weather being the way it is before it gets fucking cold. Snow. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Snow around the corner. I think I was there for your first big Chicago snow, too. Do you remember that? 
Um, that would have been that was October thirtieth, twenty nineteen. It might have been right before I started. Yeah, it might have been right, and right I, before, or right during. I lived in snow before, and I lived in Cleveland, and that was around the uh, polar vortex. Yeah, but that, that was, was rough. The experience there was mostly it was it was the just the bone chilling temperatures. So that's where I learned where like that's what like make your balls completely go up and decide your body kind of cold. That's pretty um, cold. But it wasn't particularly like snowy where where I was um at at the time. So it was just a lot of sleet, a lot of ice, but what what I would like to experience here is just one of those like we got 82 inches and that's a terrible thing to want you know for anyone who's like experienced the nightmare hellscape that i know is a blizzard but my west coast <laughs> ass just once for the experience is like you know what okay so i've just i've done the done the cold part but i just want to see what that complete whitewashed congratulations this is what nuclear winter would be could you survive well, like, now okay, you that, and you better have spam in your cabinets because now you're not going to be able to go across the street and get food. That's what you have Part done. The thing is that it doesn't, it's not particularly threatening to me because as someone who only visits three buildings on a regular basis, my apartment <laughs> work and the grocery store across the street. <laughs> I just, I feel like, I feel like if the worst I have to do is venture the short travel between those three places, otherwise I'm just inside playing Minecraft. That is true. I'm, I'm okay because I already play too much Minecraft anyways. Wow, wow that, that circled all the way back to Minecraft. I wish I could say I did that deliberately. It's almost like it was planned. But it, it's, I mean. It had to have been. I mean, not, <laughs> not by me, certainly. I'm not that clever by half. <laughs> well, I will say it's been just about two hours now. The last 15 oh, minutes man. have been gold. If anybody um, has made it through this, they're an absolute trooper. I have some people who get through. <laughs> Andy and I just did a uh, two and hours. They're listening to this. Twenty minutes. It was you made it through listening to me. Hey, hit me up because I just I gotta know how you did it. <laughs> well, I know we're gonna have at least I'd say another group podcast coming up. I'll have to schedule it out. Um, I was going to do it in the next few days because uh, I asked uh, Tim, I think, is going to hop on eventually. He said there's some uh, stuff going on at work that, right now. Oh, yeah. I um, would love to hear him, what he has to say, what he'd love to talk about. Yeah, I think that one's going to be a fun episode. And then Andy wants to hop on with Cruz, and then we can do, like, another group one or whatever. So definitely you're going to be back on We need to talk about soon. the seminal movie Fried Green Tomatoes. Well, I haven't seen that, and I'm already backlogged oh. with One Piece, which is, as an update to anyone who I actually cares, I'm on episode is. 36. <laughs> Christ. Wait, you don't know One Piece? No. You would definitely know Luffy if you saw Luffy. It's a, that, it's a Shonen yeah, Jump anime. It's the pirate one. To me. It's the pirate anime. It's 1,080 mm, episodes nope. or some shit at this point. I, yeah, no, I am. Anime is one of my nerd blind spots for sure. I don't, uh, I don't know. I am a, I'm a cartoon Americanist. <laughs> I like my cartoons silly. My all of my dynamite comes from Acme and my cartoons. <laughs> my cartoons do not ride neon motorcycles. You'd like One Piece then already? 
You're fine. But it's pirates. You're good. You're good. No, I know. Yeah, no, I know that it's it's again. I'm, I'm painting a broad brush uh, about anime. There's um, Attack on Titan is on my short list. I got to get to. Um, I've heard wonderful things about that. Um, well, we'll have to bring on. Um, I know Last Airbender. I don't know if that's considered anime or not, but that's that's like, that's that's an like American series. That's like an American I anime. Ever, yeah. Yeah, that's like in yeah, between. There's, there's, there's several animes that I just. It's I mean, my backlog uh, for stuff I need to watch right now is just, it's, just I mean, literal on some shows I'm behind. Like I'm I'm behind a decade on The Simpsons. It's you know I'm like five years behind a Family Guy, which are shows that just it, it, as a completionist I'm just I'm just. But who's got the fucking time? There's too many good things to watch. That is really the problem. If there's just too much, it all stacks up. And then eventually what happens is you have people recommend stuff and you got to watch it and it's just, it's all too much. Yeah. So yeah, Andy would be the, uh, the residential podcast, uh, Zach pack anime expert. So we, when we, when we do the group chat, we can definitely talk about that, but I want to thank no. you so much for your time. It's been two hours. Oh, yeah, I did no, quit Minecraft like 30 minutes ago. I bored uh, everybody. <laughs> but uh, it's just, it makes anybody feel better. I don't, I can't even listen to everything I say. I tune in and out, which is probably a big part of the problem. But you know what? What was I saying about <laughs> <laughs> POW watches? I don't even know. Anyway. Just fucking roll with it. That's the way it is. I have to live with it. You only had to deal with it for two hours. I get 24 seven baby. So well, anyways, I'm all, thank you. It. No, it's always a pleasure. I always a pleasure, both, both uh, playing Minecraft and talking with you. Yeah, it was fun. I, I made a yeah, chicken man. coop. I made a little farm for the chicken coop. And then I just sat outside the iron farm. So it was running. So there's like at least two that stacks of iron. Wonderful. There. So there you go. Um, but yeah, anyone who's still listening, you're the best. I'll put music on so we eventually have to end the podcast because otherwise I just don't. Um, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Thank you, Blake. I appreciate you. Thank you, Zach. Stay on the uh, line. I want to talk to you after this. Please.